Again, my name is Charlie Warner. My wife Cheryl is here. Cheryl's the one that has the connection many years ago to Bethany. She'll explain that at some point this morning. But just to say good morning. It's good to be back here in sunny California, isn't it? It's so gray outside. I understand that this is being recorded. So for those of you listening, it is gray and dark outside. Hopefully it's better in Palm Springs for Pastor Lance and his wife, Beth, Um, As you all have been praying for us, we have been praying for you as you go through this transition and merger and new names. And it's a privilege to be one of the first people to say, welcome to Bethany Bible Church, right? The new name. And so we're praying for Beth and Lance and the family. We know it's a very difficult situation. And so the care is mutual. Cheryl's going to be here for the first 10 minutes, then she's going to share with the children, and then maybe the children might join us after that because she has something special just for the kids. Well, we have a lot of slides to go through, a lot of information. I hope this is helpful. We live in Irpin, Ukraine, which is a suburb of Kiev. What we're going to do is we're going to show some maps of Ukraine so you can get an idea of the country and where we're ministering. And then uh, we'll take you through our specific ministry in caring for missionaries and developing systems of care for national missionaries. And we'll do that explaining the local level, the national level, and then the missionaries that we've helped train on a more long-term basis. This might be a little hard to see, but we'll have a clearer map later. Ukraine is very much in the center of Europe. It's about the size of France. People don't know it, but there is a mention of Ukraine in the New Testament. In the book of Colossians, we have this quote from chapter 3, verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The Scythians were a group of people living on the north shore of the Black Sea. They were wandering people, but basically this is modern Ukraine. And this is the only uh, reference to this in the New Testament. Paul was thinking, who's the farthest people I know? That's the Scythians, this wild tribe. So here's a little better map. You can see the countries that surround Ukraine. Russia to the east and north. Belarus, you see underneath it, Chernobyl. I don't know if any of you have been watching the recent HBO series on Chernobyl. Wow, it's tremendous, incredible. The whole disaster that happened in 86. Um, We live, there's Kiev. We're just to the west of Kiev. You see Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova. People ask us, we've heard there's a war in Ukraine. Are you safe? We are. This next picture shows the red zone is where the rebels have taken over that part of the country. And you see the city of Donetsk. That's the war line between Ukraine and and the rebels. And the war is still going. About one to two Ukrainian soldiers die every week. One of the unique ministries that evangelical churches have taken up in Ukraine has been to send chaplains uh, to be embedded in the military in the war zone. And uh, previous to this war, uh, evangelicals didn't believe in chaplains in the ministry. And the Lord has changed their heart to minister to these military men and women. Crimea is the area that Russia just 
stole. Let's be honest. Uh, And so this gives you a better idea. We're about 500 miles away from this war zone. You know that the war is happening, but you don't really experience uh, where we are. So we're safe. Just last fall, I was reunited with a friend of mine named Pastor Sergei. I did theological training in his church with him way back in 1990, and I had not seen him since. He is a pastor who still lives in the war zone, in Donetsk, and they're seeing some wonderful ministry to people in challenging circumstances. We have three main areas of ministry, member care of foreign or expat and national missionaries. That includes training nationals to care for their own missionaries. We're also involved in new mission movements and uh, theological education. When we first went to the field in 87, we could not live in the Soviet Union. In fact, I remember speaking here in Bethany uh, around late 86, and we couldn't tell people in the service where we were going. We'd just say, we're going east of New York, which everybody took to be, okay, you're going to the Soviet Union. We had no idea what was going to be the results of glasnost and perestroika and openness for church ministry. Uh, We started out in theological education and the development of evangelical theological education in the former Soviet Union. Another way to look at it, as I mentioned earlier, was what is our present involvement in local missions ministry, national, and on international. And I'm going to go through some of these, and hopefully Cheryl will join us, and she'll be able to share a little bit more about what she does. This is our street in Erpin in winter. The Lord has given us a wonderful house that we're using for hospitality and ministry. But something else has happened. Erpin is like the Colorado Springs or the Wheaton of Missions. Across the street is Mission Eurasia. That's their headquarters for the entire Soviet Union. The building beyond it, you could just barely see it, that's Child Evangelism Fellowship. You go around the corner, it's Youth for Christ. Go a little bit farther, two blocks, it's Evangelism Explosion. So in terms of our ministry of helping people develop networks and systems of caring for their people in ministry, it's like that God put us right there. Uh, so you'll see, uh, there we are. That was our first day back in Erpin. This is our house. Now, I don't say this braggingly, but to put in perspective, a 3,000-square-foot-plus house furnished for $1,000 a month. I don't know what that would cost in Thousand Oaks, but even in Erpin, that's a low price, and we're thankful for the landlady that has been given to us who just cares for us. And so this is one of the rooms. We have a sunroom, and they call it a winter garden, that is a special place uh, for personal ministry, especially for Cheryl. She'll have missionary women, Ukrainians, uh, Americans, people from other countries, and they meet in this room for personal ministry. I'm sure she'll want to share a little bit more about that. We might come back to that slide. Also in Erpin is the national headquarters of the Ukrainian Baptist Union. This building was just opened, I think, 2016, And it affords us the possibility of having an impact locally and nationally. So once a week, I attend the prayer meeting there and uh, meet with people here. I'm on the left side there. This is a meeting of the committee heads planning for the churches. 
There's over 2,000 Baptist churches in Ukraine. This is some of the staff at uh, the, the headquarters that Cheryl has over now and then for, um, for just tea and coffee and fellowship. The tall lady on the left is from the war zone. And she has permission to go back and forth, especially to visit her relatives. I just had a round birthday when we went to the field. I was 28. Add 32, you can see the number. Uh, 60. But what's special, the man on the right, uh, when looking at it here, is uh, Valery Antonyuk. He's the president of the denomination. And uh, the woman there is one of the secretaries, Liana. And Eager on the left is the vice president of the Baptist Union. He was one of my students when we taught at Odessa Seminary in the 90s. And one of the exciting things for us, because we've actually come back to live in Ukraine, is to see how those people we trained in the 90s have moved up into positions of pastors of major churches, presidents of seminaries, academic deans. And even for those who have immigrated to the States, they're pastors of large churches here in Seattle and Minneapolis and other places. So we're privileged, and the best way to put it would be we had a, a part in that. We didn't. We were not the only people who trained them, but God gave us a part in that. So Eager was there on the left. He's the vice president now. And uh, I'm on the foreign mission committee of the Ukrainian Baptist Union. This was a meeting last October planning for foreign missions and sending out Ukrainians around the world. Uh, I think I just told a joke here in Russian. Everybody's laughing. This man right here in the blue shirt, Vitaly Sarakun, has just become the head of the Foreign Mission Committee for the Baptist Union. He is an unusual guy. He was born in Congo, in Africa, because his father was a translator for the Soviet Army. Later on, he went to university in foreign languages, became a Christian, He is now a a law professor at a university in Ukraine. He works with uh, ministries that develop Christians in mentoring and discipleship. And now he's just taken on this position in the Foreign Mission Committee. We've been praying for someone who would have a passion for missions, wouldn't be a foreigner, be a Ukrainian. And so we're very happy to have him there. This is our church, Erpin Bible Church. There's about 600 members Probably about 800 and 900 people come, three services a week, uh, Sunday. We're still finishing the one wing that'll be the main, the main sanctuary. As part of our local embedding and respect and love for the local church, we became members of European Bible Church at the beginning of May. And this guy here, Mikola Romaniuk, another one of my former students from Odessa Seminary in the 90s, What God has done is put us in a church that's considered a model for other churches. Whether it has to do with preaching, or it has to do with social and humanitarian outreach, or local church planting, and now more and more foreign missions. The rest of the country looks to our church as a model. So this October we'll be having our first missions conference. And it'll be a model for the entire country. We're privilege to be part of this church and I wouldn't say it's ironic I'd say it's a blessing that the student that I taught is now my pastor this is part of our small group our small group is in Russian and some Ukrainian and 
the first two weeks of May, I taught a course uh, in missions based at the church. So there's a seminary in western Ukraine in the city of Lviv, or Lvov, you might have heard of it, uh, a major city. There's a, a seminary there, and they have a branch at our church. And as we were going through this class, it was interesting to see, especially two of the women. The red is Anna, and she's the secretary of the church. On the right is Oksana, and she's actually from another church. What was exciting was you could tell God was speaking to them. The way they prayed at the end of our classes was they were seeking God's guidance. Where should I go to be a missionary? It's exciting to see. Uh, Cheryl was also involved. She wasn't the main speaker, but part of a biblical counseling class through this same program. These are some of our friends from the Odessa days in the 90s, now living up in Ukraine, uh, in Erpin. On the far right, that's Vladimir. He works with the social committee of the Baptist Union. Because of the war, there are two million people from that war zone, that red zone in the map, who have left the zone for their own safety. So a million and a half or more have gone towards Ukraine. 300,000, 500,000 have gone towards Russia. Since 2014, we've heard about the refugee crisis in Europe, coming from Syria, from Africa, into Europe. Almost no one in America has heard about 2 million people that have been forced to move. What's been exciting, I keep using exciting, that's too, too many times. It's been good to see evangelical churches lead the way in caring for these refugees. We have people across the street from where we live. They themselves, a family of five, adopted nine kids, many of them orphans from that war zone. So it's amazing. The evangelical church has actually been an example for the Catholic church and the Orthodox church of how to care for people displaced. Again, Cheryl probably would want to talk about this. I'd like you to imagine Fifth Avenue in New York, Michigan Avenue in Chicago. I don't know what would be a main street in L.A. Century Boulevard, Santa Monica. Imagine Michigan Avenue in Chicago, major street, closed down for an entire Sunday so that evangelicals could celebrate Thanksgiving. We can do this in Ukraine. There's over 200,000 people and If you remember, there was that kind of uh, militant standoff. Over 100 people were killed, 2014-15. That's actually at at the end of the street right there is where many of those people were killed. This is the first one, 2017. We did it last year, 2018. And 2019, it's coming up in September. We have opportunities that you don't have here. Let me show you another example. This was just a few weeks ago. Odessa Baptist churches got together in the opera house to celebrate Easter. Could you do that at an opera house here? I would doubt it. 1,500 people, orchestra, and um, it's possible. So we have opportunities for outreach uh, to society. We personally have not been involved in putting these on, but I just want to give you an idea of what's happening with the church in Ukraine. Some exciting things. Just two weeks ago, they held their 20th Congress. It only happens every five years. There are actually several people there on the podium that were my former students. These are the leaders of the denomination. 
And by the way, the largest Baptist union in Europe is Ukrainian. It's not Romanian, not Germany, not England. It's in Ukraine. And part of that is also connected to our local area. There is a seminary in Erpin called Erpin Biblical Seminary. And during the Congress, they held their graduation. And uh, I was there just a week before that. They had a celebration dinner at the seminary. The man here in the blue is uh, the president, Igor Yaramchuk. And the guy on my right is that Vitali who was born in Congo. So just being where we are allows us to be involved on the local level. I'm actually on the Committee for Foreign Missions of our church. On the national level, involved with the leadership in the denomination. And also through various seminaries. I serve on the board of the Odessa Seminary uh, down on the Black Sea. This was graduation from last year. And the reason I do that is because they have a mission training program. And every year, Cheryl and I go and teach courses on the spiritual life of the missionary or creating a team of people to care for you when you're on the mission field. These are all totally new concepts. A few years ago, I gave a seminar to Baptist leaders about caring for missionaries. In the middle, I just stopped. And I said, have any of you heard any of this before? Zero. This is all new things. This is a new movement. It's exciting, but there's a lot of growth to come. So I'm involved in this seminary. The Baptist Union has six schools that concentrate, that have a program on training cross-cultural missionaries. There's many other schools involved in Ukraine. Here's uh, one student, uh, excuse me, professor. He just, a couple days ago, uh, defended his doctoral dissertation at a secular university on discipleship in the New Testament. And he could do it completely from an evangelical viewpoint. Again, opportunities there probably don't have here. Vitali um, and his wife there, little daughter. Here's two of our classes. So there are students here. Here's Alexandra. She was in Egypt. Oksana, you'll see something soon about her. She's in Kyrgyzstan. Others are reaching out to international students in Odessa and others. That's two years ago. This is last fall. We have one couple is in Poland. By the way, there are two million Ukrainians that have gone to Poland to seek work because there's two million Poles who've gone to Western Europe to seek work. So these movements of peoples demand that we have ministry to them as well. So the couple, uh, he's right there. Um, They're in Poland. Lady right there is in South Korea, preparing to go to North Korea. Trying to see, uh, this couple right here, they just spent six months in Cambodia. Here's our map. That's a little hard to see, I know. But these are graduates just from one program, the Odessa Missions Program. All over Africa, they're in Egypt, India, Central Asia, Cambodia, Uganda, Western Europe. It's exciting, but I have to temper enthusiasm because this is their first time in the mission field. They're learning. They're making mistakes. They're trying to correct them. They're trying to do better. And that's why we on the missions committee of the union are are trying to help out with the care especially. Here's one example, Yulia, missionary in Egypt. 
God prepared her to work with poor people in Egypt because she worked for years working with gypsies or Roma in Ukraine. Here's Luba in Tajikistan and Oksana in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, again, people that have been, I showed you the sunroom. I was hoping Cheryl would come in now. She would uh, tell a bit more. Again, some really bold people going to places sometimes on their own, which actually we'd like to change because you don't want people in isolation. We want to have more teams and what have you. That's part of our growing pains. Here's Luba with children in Tajikistan. For us, the Soviet Union, in a very real sense, as President Reagan said, was an evil empire. They did some horrible things. Stalin killed tens of millions of people. But I, I had a national tell me once, he said, but you know what happened? Russian became the trade language. And so because our students know Russian, most of them Ukrainian as well, they can go to Central Asia, to a Muslim country, because they speak the trade language. And it's as if God is using that in the spread of the gospel. We just had a big missions conference in uh, Odessa in the Black Sea. We gave a seminar there for pastors on how churches can uh, care for their missionaries. The couple on the right uh, are some of the people who organized the conference. Uh, Lena in the red is actually a Ukrainian. And the guy in the middle is a Professor Dwayne Elmer, who's written many books on, on missions. So, missions conference, 250 young people came out interested in missions. Isn't that amazing? We're seeing some incredible things happen. We're blessed to just be part of that and see what God's doing. So, many different seminars, speakers. I've spoken at other missions conferences in western Ukraine and Lviv. I think this was the spiritual life of the cross-cultural missionary. Uh, this is our missions class, minus the two guys on the right, Spurgeon and Graham, Charles Spurgeon and Billy Graham. Just to give one example, there in the black, that's Alienka. She's working as a nurse in a hospital in U Uganda. You know, this real, I'll just stop for a second. This really is exciting to think about it. After the wall fell in 89 and the Soviet Union ended in 91, we sent hundreds, if not several thousands of missionaries to this part of the world. Now they're sending out their own people. Isn't that exciting? It really is. There's that word again, exciting. And, and here's the thing. Uh, uh, of course, presenting to you, I want to present the good things, the exciting things. I'm actually leaving a lot out <laughs> of what's happening out of Ukraine. I've been teaching at the Armenian Baptist Seminary, Evangelical Seminary, uh, since 2001, usually once a year. Cheryl came for the first time Last year, first day she's there, you know, I've been going for 17 years. First day, there's a revolution. Now, we joke that people in oppressed countries are now calling Cheryl to ask her to come. And maybe there would be a revolution. They call it the Velvet Revolution. No one was killed. But to be in a country when governments change for the better and the past oppression goes away, uh, not completely, but huge part, what an exciting time to be there. It was really something. We also uh, were involved in uh, this mission center here. It used to be a Christian school. Didn't work out in the end. They made it into a mission training center. And we did this class again, a seminar on the spiritual life of the cross-cultural missionary. In the white is uh, Larissa and her husband, Artur. 
They were church planters in Central Asia. And going through difficult times and problems, the Lord laid it on their heart to leave the field and to minister to others. So that's what we're looking for, our local people who could take on the mantle of caring for their missionaries. And uh, also taught a class on theology of missions, the biblical basis of missions. And uh, here, another unique thing. This is a little small on a small screen like this. There's a couple guys there. In the very back, you see a guy with a beard. I won't mention his name because this is on audio. He grew up in Iran. And he's Armenian-Iranian. So we have these dual-culture students. He goes back to Iran every year, four times a year to meet with church groups and and church leaders for training. Another man, Yaakov, right there, or Jacob, you might have heard in Syria of the the town Aleppo. He was a pastor in Aleppo. Incredible persecution that they saw. He was shot in the hand by a sniper. His wife was shot in the leg by a sniper. They decided, as church leaders, they were in danger. They came to Yerevan, started a church. But it was like Acts 8, where after Stephen is martyred, the church scatters. So from his church in Aleppo, there are now churches in Yerevan and Armenia, in Beirut, Lebanon, in Paris, as they followed the Armenian, uh, Syrian, or Arabic uh, peoples around. And so he came to our seminary uh, to get more training there. Cheryl has had the opportunity in the last 10 months to... uh, be involved in visiting missionaries, nationals. We have friends that pastor an international church in Istanbul. We arrived in Turkey the day that Pastor Andrew Brunson was released from the country. If you remember, he was held there. No wife yet. Okay. Um, And just in March, she visited missionaries in Bulgaria, another part of our ministry. People with our staff, Barnabas International, Uh, wrote a book on member care, and it's been translated into Russian. This is Vadim, who helped oversee the project and do some of the translation. Very serious guy. This is our family last Christmas with our church organist in Wheaton photobombing us there. He's a friend of the family. We have four daughters, Laura, Elizabeth, Emily, and Melissa. We were fortunate to come back for Christmas this year. And uh, some of you might have heard that in January, my mother died. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. She was 92, birthday on Christmas Eve. My dad's birthday is Christmas. (laughs) It was difficult to see that happen. You know, for missionaries, when you're on the other side of the world, what you dread is the phone call. (laughs) Please come now. Mom or dad is dying or something like that. We happened to be in the States, in Texas, visiting Cheryl's family. Got the call from my brother. We were able to go and spend the last four days with my mom. And that was good to see. But what was more exciting was that a little over a year ago, when my mom was almost 92, after years of sharing the gospel, she decided it was for her. And she became a Christian. And so we're excited. Pray for my dad. Cheryl's parents' family are Christians back generations. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share some prayer requests. And if you have some questions, any question at all about our ministry, the country of Ukraine, or politics there, you might have heard we have a new president who's a comedian. 
which is interesting. If you have questions, let me know. But let me list these prayer requests, and then we'll take some questions. Is that okay? Okay. If you want to write them down or whatever, they'll be in the PowerPoint. Uh, the first is for Cheryl's dad, Dick Anthony. He's had two operations for skin cancer, and he's taking radiation through the end of next week. Lots of travel. This is seven weeks in the States, seven states. <laughs> so next we go to Florida, then Wisconsin, and Minnesota, and Illinois, and so forth. We have a busy fall schedule. The Baptist Union would like to bring out of their countries all those Ukrainian missionaries working in Muslim countries. And they're going to bring them to the Republic of Georgia in the Caucasus. So we'll be there for member care. Uh, We'll be teaching in Armenia, again, uh, the Baptist Seminary. Moldova will be a meeting of theological educators. And Hungary will be a European-wide conference Excuse me, of mission, cross-cultural mission leaders. Just a little over a week ago, new leaders were elected. You saw the Congress I showed uh, of the Baptist Union. Pray for a maturing of the missions ministry. Uh, as I said earlier, I wish I could say, isn't everything great? They're just beginning. There's exciting things, but there needs to be maturity in all aspects of the mission movement to grow in that way. Uh, Pray for peace in Ukraine. We would love to have the war not expand (laughs) closer to Kiev or just that the war would end. They'd they'd be able to come to some peace. While we're here in the States, we're getting new Ukrainian visas. And your questions. Before we take a question, on the inside of this month's Bethany Broadcaster, there's a whole page on us. And also we have out on some of the tables our latest prayer card that we actually got like last week. So please uh, take one of those. This was taken in our garden a month ago in Airpin. Why don't I take some questions? Bob, did you have a question? Well, several times you mentioned caring for... Yes. Yeah, we actually have, like I said, a whole week class on building a team. The term member care uh, arose about 40 years ago uh, with the basic idea of we need to care for the members of our mission. So when we talk about caring for missionaries, uh, it involves several things. One is there are missionaries who right now have an acute problem that they need help with. could be physical, intellectual, spiritual, emotional. They might have a problem right now that needs to be helped. That's part of member care. But member care is not just for people with problems. There are also people on the mission field who are very strong Christians, but maybe for a short period of time they have an acute problem that they just need help through. So that's the second area of member care in general. Third area of member care is just increasing a person's spiritual vitality. Maybe they're already strong believers, uh, but they want to continue in their growth. Um, at the end of Second Peter, Second Peter 3.18, Peter writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so there's that aspect of member care uh, involved in that. People who are, are, are strong in their spiritual life and in their ministry that want to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So that's the general ideas. What's more specific? 
when we talk about, with our Ukrainian missionaries, creating a care team, that could involve ahead of time getting an order. What would happen if you have a medical problem? Where would you go for a doctor or a hospital? At home or on the mission field? If you needed a counselor to speak to, biblical counselor, who would you go to? If you needed pastoral counseling, you want to talk to a pastor, who would you talk to? And so we're trying to set these things up ahead of time for these uh, Ukrainian missionaries so that they're prepared. Our culture, Ukrainian culture, is not a culture of preparation. You You don't care about a doctor until you need one. Then you run around with your head chopped off trying to find a doctor. What we would do is we would get medical insurance, we'd have a GP, we'd have annual checkups, all those things. That's completely foreign over there. And so this is part of the process that we're trying to say, let's be proactive before a problem happens so that we have a framework, a paradigm of what we would do when it happens. Um, Especially when you get into more countries with security risks, what do you have in place for security? for evacuation, if you need to leave, for political reasons. And these type of things all involve caring for the missionary. That's the missionary learning to care for themselves spiritually, to be self-feeders in the word. I'll speak a little bit more about this in my sermon. But being proactive in your spiritual life, being proactive in, in all areas on the field, learning Education isn't just about educating your children. It's also for you bringing up your standards of ministry skills and knowledge and things like that. That's a part of member care. I'm leaving some things out, but in general, uh, that's part of it. One more thing. Then uh, Then the question becomes, when a missionary comes back on furlough, home assignment, it's now called sometimes, how can a church care for that missionary? The mission agency, even denominational mission agency, might have a plan for debriefing and physical and all that. But what will a church do to give people on furlough housing, transportation, fellowship, and re-entry into the church body? All those things as well. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah. One side of it is sending out new missionaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I see it's 10 to 10. We, we, could, <laughs> we could do a lot. Um, I actually have created a booklet called Caring for Missionaries on Home Assignment, a handbook for North American churches. And I'm about to update the reference section. That was 2016 is the latest version. I'm about to update with 250 more resources in the book, in the booklet. Um, What it is, it's a workbook. Here's an important thing for a missionary on furlough. Here's some suggestions of what what you can do. And then there's a blank spot, your ideas. To be creative within your own church environment. I spoke once at a member care conference in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. The guy said, we're out in the middle of nowhere. How can we care for missionaries? I said, well, when do they usually come? Oh, usually in the summer. I said, Minnesota, isn't this the state of 10,000 lakes? He said, yes. I go, do you go fishing? Yes. 
take a missionary with you fishing. You know, help them relax and recuperate. A lot of times on furlough, you go, 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 and you go back to the field in order to rest. But we can do special things for missionaries. We can provide housing. There's all sorts of things. So this booklet is specifically how do we care when they're back here. But in the resource section, I'd say with websites and books, it's probably approaching five, 600 resources where you could go to a website to learn more or read a book to learn more. There's a church, um, I don't know if it's in Northern California or somewhere in the Northwest, that wrote a book called Mind the Gaps, How the Local Church Can, can Care for Their Missionaries. I would start with that book. But again, at the back of, of this booklet I've made are hundreds of resources that you could, you could discover. So that might be one place to begin. Um, I'm wondering if, if someone would remind me, if since I turned 60, my memory is gone. Um, I can send you the latest copy of that Caring for Missionaries booklet. So, uh, Bob, if you could remind me of that, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a note of that. Yes, sir. What's your name? Russ. Hi, Russ. Well, we've had different periods. 87 to 91, we lived in England because we couldn't live in the Soviet Union as missionaries. So I did postgraduate work in Russian and Soviet studies at universities in England. And in 91, before the coup, until 99, we lived in Odessa, worked at Odessa Seminary. Then I took on some more European-wide responsibilities. We lived in Vienna, Austria for 14 years. Then we were in the States for four years as our kids transitioned to high school, high school to college, college to life. And so in 2017, beginning of 2018, is when we moved back to Ukraine. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see how I could best put it in perspective. Things changed with Gorbachev when in the third year of his administration, 1988, was the thousandth anniversary of the baptism of Rus. And with that, Gorbachev freed all the religious prisoners. They had tremendous freedom and opportunity to do ministry, even before the 91 coup when the Soviet Union ended. And then in the 90s, all of a sudden, people had the opportunity to, um, for themselves, for the first time, uh, look into spiritual truth. It was like a smorgasbord of spiritual opportunities. It wasn't just evangelical biblical belief. It was the Hare Krishnas and the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and weird religions that we don't even know about over here. And so at that time, there was like a pent-up demand for church planting. There was wonderful evangelism. People were open. But that started to change with new laws. In Russia, there was a new religion law in 93, and then 98 was much more restrictive. What you saw on the screen was Ukraine. Thanksgiving Day, a couple hundred thousand people. They could not do any of that in Russia. In fact, you see more and more churches that are being uh, closed, especially if they don't own their own building. Uh, we heard of one instance in Russia where the church was shut down because they didn't put a sign that it was a church on the outside of the building. Now, what they did is they had double doors, and on Sundays they opened the doors, and on the inside was the sign, this is our church. 
So they shut the church down. In the States, if there's some problem, say it's even a housing violation in Thousand Oaks. The inspector comes and says, you have 30 days to make this right. We'll come back and check. They don't do that in Russia. They just shut you down. Then it's up to you to get back up and running. Um, so in Ukraine, there's tremendous religious freedom. That's what I'm getting at. But in the 1990s, when we saw tremendous church growth, hundreds and hundreds of new churches, today that's slowed down. That's slowed down, just to be honest. Uh, that's very quickly the short history. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yes. Uh, Russian uh, intervention. Yes. Yeah, I I have to be careful, though. It was Russ, right? Yeah. I have to be careful because according to statistics of OECD out of Vienna, uh, Ukraine is considered the second poorest country in Europe out of like 50 in the region. So you saw that nice house that we're in. In our city, there's houses two, three times that size and newer and nicer. But, hello, <laughs> um, there's large parts of the country that don't have that, that are still living hand-to-mouth, uh, growing their own food. And that's hard to measure on a European-wide basis because the rest of Europe people go to the supermarket. We have supermarkets in Ukraine if you want to go to them. We've had a lot of people immigrate. Um, I, I do not agree with the assessment that the Ukraine is that poor. I think it's a lot richer and, than, than people think. But that's one thing you hear in the press is, oh, it's such a poor country and what have you. We have a bigger problem with corruption. It's still there. Every country has corruption, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's at different degrees. So U.S., Europe might be down here. Ukraine might be up here than Russia. You know what the, the country most likely to... Uh, need a bribe to get something done is? It's Iran. A theocracy. That's how you get things done in Iran. So I, I wish I could be more comprehensive in my answer, but I hope that helped a little bit. It, there are pockets of the country that are much better economically off. We have a, we have a they call them hypermarket, 10 miles from our house. It's the largest in Europe. Imagine a super Walmart, Two stories. <laughs> That's just one store. So, yeah, Bob. And we're short on time, um, and our Western culture does not seem to encourage Joe as full-time missionaries or long-term missionaries. What, uh, what are some steps we might take here to encourage uh, going and serving uh, more than just a, a short-term? Or there are several churches in the United States that have very good missionary preparation programs. And I would look to their examples of um, what they do to prepare missionaries. The fact of the matter is, the number of missionaries from the United States is going down. And it's not because we haven't tried hard enough. It's just part of a trend. In Ukraine, for every two missionaries' families that leave, we have one that comes. So the number of foreign missionaries even in Ukraine is going down. We have tremendous religious freedom. We need more people. Uh, but this is just part of the overall trend. So look to other churches for examples. 
Um, that book, Mind the Gaps on Local Church Member Care, uh, that might have something to do with it. Every September, I think usually in Dallas, Texas, there is a Missio Nexus conference. And Missio Nexus is mission organizations, churches, mission training organizations, associations of missions, all get together with some tremendous resources for missions. But I have to be honest with you. I, there's a problem that really bothers me, I think to Cheryl to some extent. Unfortunately, a lot of the missions and missionaries are not as church-centered as they should be. I don't know if you know the name Tim Keller in New York City. They are starting to do more and more church plants overseas. And they have one in Dubai, in the Middle East. And I, I listened to a talk, and the guy said exactly what I just said. I felt like reaching through and saying, I've been saying this for years. A lot of missionaries and missions, unfortunately, are replicating their organization more than serving the church. Now, part of that is, over the last three, 400 years, a part of evangelicalism is to go. And so you get individuals who want to go, and the church isn't as fast. And so they say, we're going to start a mission organization, and we're going to get going, and we're not going to wait for the church to change in order to be involved in mission work. Now, in a sense, that's exciting. God's moving, what have you. But my heart is with the church, the local church and uh, denominations and what have you. I think one of the uh, main purposes, and I actually think I saw it on the Bethany website, you have a doctrine of the church, is that the church is God's method for reaching the nations. And so there's a sense of respecting missions, parachurch organizations, but also bringing back to the church that central role of preparing missionaries. Now, what would that involve? That would involve develop people's spiritual gifts. I don't know if you have classes here or something like that on developing your spiritual gift. Now, I'm not talking about healing and tongues and all that, but service and administration and preaching and stuff like that. Helping young people discover their spiritual gifts. That's one thing a church can do. Giving them responsibilities within the church to see how they serve. I know one guy that uh, back in the late 70s, all he did was set up chairs and take them down. They had a, a temporary Sunday situation for his church. And the church saw that. They saw, this guy is here to serve the church. It could be many different ways. You serve the church, hospitality or whatever. And uh, that guy and his wife have now been missionaries with Wycliffe in India for 35 years, translating the scriptures in an unknown tongue. But he demonstrated in his local church during college, I'm here to serve. And so it's the local church seeing people developed in their ministry skills. I have said this a couple times too, besides the word exciting. I have to be honest, the great theologian Clint Eastwood said the following. He said, a man has got to know his limitations. And think of that in a spiritual context. I can't do certain ministries. Cheryl's wonderful at it. She's doing it right now. I can't work with kids. I can't work with teenagers. But I learned that I couldn't do that because I tried to do it. 
And so church and church leaders, the mission team, if you have people who are potentially missionaries, you can set up systems to see them grow in certain areas, see what their giftedness is. And uh, that's another way that the church can be involved. We could talk more later, um, but uh, it is already 10.04. Maybe one last question, because I know, I think it was coffee hour, right? Time to rejuice. Yes? Okay. Displacement, yes. 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 I think you mentioned Yeah, it was about it's about a million and a half have left the Donbass and come to the rest of Ukraine. Yeah. Now Ukrainian immigrants to the States, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, because it's the capital, other places, Minneapolis, what have you. Yeah, here's something to think about that maybe you've never thought about. This is my last comment. There's a lot of illegal immigrants coming from the south to California. What we've discovered, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not totally pro-immigration or totally anti. I think there needs to be systems to regulate. But what's interesting is this. Some of those people, sometimes upwards of 50%, are evangelicals coming. And they've brought a certain fervor for evangelism and church planting as illegal immigrants. Now, that doesn't mean we should allow everybody in because they're evangelicals. But throughout the history of the church, and Ralph Winter, a late Ralph Winter, missiologist, mission strategist, has written several articles on how in the history of the church, there has been the voluntary and involuntary movement of peoples that brought Christians to a new culture and evangelized it. There's so much more we could talk about, but we'll finish there. Thanks for your time, and whether it's cloudy or sunny, it's good to be with you all at Bethany Bible Church. I can say it, Joel. There we go. Thank you very much, Charlie. So let's, let's close in word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to hear from Charlie. and We pray that our children have enjoyed the experience with Cheryl this morning, too. And Father, we thank you for the way you're blessing their work and using them there in the Ukraine and really uh, around the world. Father, we pray that you guide us in the time that we'll have now to worship you. And uh, we, we thank you for your presence with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.